This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. A mathematician at heart, Sue seeks tried-and-true formulas to live by. Formulas provide assurance that is hard to beat, because following them will produce the same result each time. Moreover, math is like life. The more we learn, the more equations we will discover. Sue's Heal From Within program is predicated on the simple Taoist theory that all living organisms in the universe are energetically connected. Humans, animals, and plants are born from the earth, and absorb energy from the same sources, sun, water, and air, for survival. Living congruently to this energy flow allows you to vibrate at your highest frequency and better manage life's afflictions, such as viruses, disease, trauma, stress. The less resistance in your body, the easier it is to attain your maximum personal healing potential and live in a healthier and more fulfilling way. Learning how to apply this Taoist theory to your life will help you live at your highest frequency under all circumstances. Valeria interviews Su Ping Negrin. She is the author of Stronger Than Your Stress, an energy guide to heal from within. Su Ping Negrin is a Qigong healer, spiritual coach, licensed acupuncturist, and founder of Heal From Within. She received a master's in acupuncture from Tri-State College of Acupuncture, with an additional two-year concentration in orthopedics and rehabilitation. She also holds a BS in Applied Mathematics and Computer Science from SUNY Albany. For over 20 years, she has helped clients heal using Chinese medicine, acupuncture, herbs, diet, and Qigong, along with other natural modalities, foods, supplements, and exercises. She specializes in holistic healing by treating imbalances of the body, As a result of her personal battle with insomnia, she now teaches people how to be in control of their energy and provides healings in person and remotely, and acupuncture to help clients heal and find insights to help them live their personal best in health, happiness, and fulfillment. Sue uses her unique approach to holistic health, combining Chinese medicine with scientific knowledge, to address the impact of modern-day stresses and ailments on the body, mind, emotions, and spirit. As an avid student, practitioner, and consumer of Chinese medicine, Sue hopes that in her lifetime, this important medical system will be recognized and given parity alongside Western medicine in modern-day healthcare. Meet Sue at suepinghealing.com. Here's the interview with Sue Ping Negrin. In your own words, who is Sue Peng Negrin? Sue Peng Negrin was born uh, Sue Peng Ha in Hong Kong, and um, I moved uh, to New York when I was six years old. So I grew up most of my life here in New York, um, and I like to think of myself as a culture, um, as a mixed culture, somebody who was really schooled and raised in the West, um, but. Um, really have obviously my culture and my roots very much embedded in uh, Chinese uh, in a way that I wasn't even aware of until probably later on in my life. Um, So I kind of look at myself as somebody who lives in both worlds. And and as I have moved on in my journey, I think my job has really been about marrying those two worlds and being the person that obviously I was supposed to be, which is that combination. 
Yes, how wonderful. I guess the question that comes to mind immediately is, when did you discover this, let's say, this longing to explore the Chinese culture and integrate it into the Western culture that you had growing up into? That is a great question, Valeria, because I think I spent most of my early uh, life and early adult life really shunning it because, um, you know, growing up Chinese in the 70s, I had to try and fit in and I was the only Chinese, uh, we were the only Chinese family in our community. Um, So I did everything possible to move away from it. And I remember my sister would take me to like these herbalists in Chinatown. I was like, oh, you know, this I was like, this isn't medicine. And then I went into, uh, you know, as a computer consultant and mathematics, I really went hardcore Western science and Western education. Um, and, uh, but I think deep down inside, there was always a core of me that was very holistic and natural because I never took any medicine, but I never really thought of that as being Chinese. You know, I just thought, oh, that's who I am. And then, um, it wasn't until, you know, life throws you some curveballs and there were some health issues as everybody goes through. And my husband who had, had cancer, uh, twice, uh, and after he relapsed a second time, uh, you know, we started going down this route and then I had my own personal challenges with fertility. Um, and after those challenges, I just really kind of put a halt and said, let me regroup and let me go in and do something. I knew I wasn't going to stay a computer consultant the rest of my life. So it was a perfect time for me to think about a new career. And I always loved medicine, always loved healing. And I thought, oh, I'll go to medical school. And I thought, oh, I'm 32. I'm not sure that's going to work. And and then um, I hurt my back. And my massage therapist said, you know, I think you should go see my acupuncturist. And I thought, never been to Okay. I walked into his office and it was as if, you know, the spirits opened up. And I, I walked home and I said to my husband and I said, I think I'm going to go into acupuncture. And he was like, what? So so it was just, yeah, just spiritually. I think it was just, it opened me up and uh, it was, that was the turning point for me. Right. Yeah. And usually that's how it happens. And I often wonder if we need, uh, let's say, suffering in order to learn profound lessons, in order to follow our hearts, in order to become more spiritual. What is your perspective on that? So I think the answer is absolutely yes. <laughs> oh, really? I do. I Bad do. news for all of us. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, because, you know, the old saying, like, if, if things are working, why change? You know, so it's really when things aren't working that you need to look somewhere else. Because if everything is fine, then you're like, oh, you know, I'm, what I'm doing is right. And um, so, yeah, I, I really believe in that. Yes, uh, yeah, I, I hear that a lot, actually. And another question that comes up is, when do we know that we had enough then? We have learned enough, we're spiritual enough, or perhaps enlightened, we already got there, and now all we need is um, be open to this experience and uh, peaceful about everything that's, um, let's say, that presents itself. The question basically is, when do we get there? Do you have any, uh, like, what's the goal? And how do we know we have become spiritual enough to not need suffering anymore? Oh, I don't, I don't know if that's really possible in, in, in our, in the human world. I, that's a great question, Valeria. I've never been asked that, but I don't, I personally don't think that's possible. Oh, wow. Yeah. To get to that point, and that's because of the body-mind complex. So that's always changed. It's part of nature. It, it can't. I mean, it's it. We are under the law. Body-mind. It's under the law of time and space. So is that is that the reason why you say that? I think so. I just think that the human nature of what we struggle with. We you know we we were born with a predisposed negative mind. Right. When you look at it in, in Western thought, it's it is negative. So if you have that constant dichotomy of negativity and positive spiritual space, 
well, how can that, you know, coexist with each other? And then you also think like in Chinese medicine, we live in a polarity. We live in a dichotomy of yin and yang, positive, negative. So it's always about us going through life, trying to make that balance. Ah, you know, and I don't think you can actually make Mm. that balance always being in this positive space and floating through because Mm. we all always live in this human material world. So it's like living um, in two worlds or two realities, although I, I like to believe that there's just one reality, and, and that is, um, if we have a name for it, just God exists, love exists, the divine exists, nothing else. But what he, I, of course, if we um, kind of, we have to take in consideration this reality, human reality, body, mind, and then thinking from that perspective, that makes sense. That goes back to balance, which is very dynamic anyway. Right. It's always changing. Yes. And it's always changing because we also live with other people. Right. I'm married. I have kids and I have to balance the dynamics of them, their thoughts, you know. (laughs) Right. Yes. um, So I think that that will always make it very difficult to always live in this peaceful, Hmm. utopic state. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Especially personally. But you do mention in your book, I want to mention now because it's right here, one of the questions, uh, Stronger Than Your Stress, an energy guide to heal from within. So you mentioned uh, living in universal balance. What would that be? Yeah. So a big part of my teaching is that what I do in my Qigong and in my my work is that at every moment I try and be in balance with the energies around me. And that's the only thing I strive for. Um, And that means that I'm balanced at this particular moment in my Qigong with my mind, body, emotions, and spirit. And in this moment, life and everything is perfect. I'm open, I'm receiving information, and I'm giving back to the world in this idyllic place. So that's what I strive for in all of my work. But now when I come out of that, yeah. that's where the human world takes over again. Right. And that looks very much di- that looks different. That, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't look that the looks same. That looks different, exactly. But hopefully if I build up that balance enough, it'll carry me through the day and influence my decisions. You know what I mean? Yes, right. So is that helpful to think about balance in terms of energy? Oh, absolutely. Because, well, we're everything is energy. We're energetic beings. So I, I, I think of everything in terms of energy. And and I tell people that, and, you know, when they have a bad thought or let's say they're sick, I'm like, you know, that's just energy. And energy is very fluid. It's very ethereal. And when you think of it that way, then you also think, oh, because it's so ethereal, it can move and I can move it. I can change it. We have so much power over that. So, uh, yeah, I think the world, the whole world runs on energy. Everything is energy, Mm -hmm. right? That's, of course, I have um, understood that way as well. But a lot of times we can't help. I mean, I can't help it, but think about, let's say, consciousness not being energy because it's not really something. It seems like energy, even the subtlest kind of, um, let's say, state, it can still be measured but I don't think we can measure consciousness, which is not a thing. Well, but I think consciousness is something that translates anything that can create and consciousness creates, right? When you have consciousness, you're actually creating a thought or something that translates energy. We may not have the ability to measure it on our human level, but if we can think about why the energy has to exist is the fact that I can create something in my mind and then transfer transfer that right to somebody else. That means there has to be some sort of you know uh, mass or material that 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 translates. I guess my studies. I'm a student of Vedanta, Advaita Vedanta, and I'm always um, coming across this. Um, it's non-duality, so it's one reality, not two. So energy gives me this very precise understanding that, 
of two realities, not just two multiplicity. I mean, just one, not even one second, much less than that. We just see so many things, just um, an array of, of energetic everything in front of us. When I think about consciousness, it's, it's really because it's a non-thing, it's just one reality. The way it is explained in, uh, in Vedanta is that um, it's actually never splitted. It cannot because it's one reality, so it cannot become two anyway. So it is like a dream, and that's how they explain how it works. It's a dream. So in a dream, everything seems to be happening. We have thoughts even. I mean, it's just incredible how real it feels when we are dreaming at night. So this reality is seen in a very similar way. So it's like consciousness, God sleeping, and this is the, what we get. Um, but it, that consciousness comes from somewhere, right? It has to be energized from something. Mm. And that energy, well, you know how you can tell when whether consciousness is energy or not? Because when you have a conscious thought, it actually, and as an acupuncturist, we see this, right? That conscious thought can actually translate to a, phys- a vibration in the body. And that vibration then can, be, can actually disrupt flow. So you can only disrupt flow if there's a mass to it. And if you look at Einstein's, Einstein's theory of relativity, I mean, he has shown that energy and mass are two ends of a spectrum. So they're related. So I don't know how you can, and if you said, while God is sleeping, that's <laughs> yes. consciousness. That's, I, love, yeah. I love that thought, actually. Um, <laughs> this is the dream even, of God. <laughs> yes, yeah. but even in the sleep of God, <laughs> there is Mm. the energy coming out. Mm. You know yes, saying? yeah, that, it, right, of course. Then it's like being in a dream, and if we just were left there dreaming for eternity, then we would believe that, that that the dream was real, and which means we would eat dream food and drink dream water, you know, right. that, you know right. healing and all that. So, yes. So from that perspective, um, very much, yeah. And, and, you know, in a lot of times I tried, because I came across these teachings long ago and I was, I couldn't get it. I could not get it. No, this has to be real. <laughs> of course it is real, but it's not the entire, let's say, it's, it's not the absolute reality. This is relative reality. And that's how I, and then I finally understood, okay, this is like a dream. So that makes sense. It's like, uh, let's say me sleeping bad would be the absolute reality, just sleeping peacefully. And the dream and everything, all the content of the dream is just the mind. So that's the field of mind creating everything. So yes. it's, it's kind of, this is from, this is another podcast interview. I know it's not <laughs> what we are talking today, right? So this is non-duality, but I love kind of throwing this in there just to see. And I'm glad um, you said that too, because it's interesting how we all kind of have intuitively this, um, some, there's this idea that there's something more, that this is real, but not the entire reality. Uh, I always had that within me. Now I found something that explains that. So going back to Stronger Than you, Your Stress, but not just the book, there's something else about you that caught my attention. I think in your bio, you say, math is like life. So talk to me about that. Oh, well, you know, it's interesting. I mean, we, we, as mathematician, we know that all the patterns and mathematical formulas is constructed from patterns in life, right? We have the Fibonacci sequence. If you look at all natural things, you can see that this Fibonacci sequence runs throughout all nature's pattern. And we, uh, we understand physics, all that, based on mathematical formulas. And because I was a mathematician um, and really in applied mathematics, uh, fascination for me is to understand the world in more patterns. And that's, and that's very Chinese medicine, right? We believe that we're a microcosm of this macro uh, cosmic world. And so in doing that, I'm such a formulated person. And I thought, and I live by formulas. I like mm-hmm. to find things yeah. that yeah. I know <laughs> I'm always going to add two plus two and I'm always going to get four. 
And that's just, you know, that's just my left scientific brain. That's just who I am. Right. And yeah, so that's, so that's, so when I came up with this program, Heal From Within, um, I, I can tell you that as an acupuncturist for 20 years and um, in treating people, I've never been able to come up with one thing that I could do, that magic pill or that magic treatment that would treat everybody and say, okay, I've got it, you're going to be healed. I've never found that formula because it's really almost impossible because, you know, there's obviously many different, um, you know, factors into health. But then when I found the spiritual aspect, I thought, oh, this is very interesting because I really feel like I did find that formula because the spiritual realm is actually a little bit different. And, and if, and all we're doing in attaining in that spiritual realm is connecting in harmony with the spiritual world. And that's it. And I figured, wow, I know how to get somebody from their human world and their human existence in energetic ways to get them to align to this highest spiritual power. And then once I did that, I went, that's a formula. And in the six years I've done this, it hasn't failed. Wow. And that makes a lot of sense. There's so much wisdom, uh, not just in Chinese medicine, but um, the whole Eastern, um, Eastern philosophies in general, spiritual philosophies, um, and all kinds of philosophies that I'm attracted to, profound ones. It, it That makes so much sense. So in a way, would you say that if we are in alignment, but then when I say we are in alignment, who is in alignment would be the body-mind with the spiritual realm. Even intellectually, is that something that could affect the um, the physical reality? So, oh yes, yes, absolutely. It starts. It start the the where it begins is energy that's ethereal that hasn't manifested and materialized yet, and that's the point is to get to that space where energy is just floating freely ready for us to take in. And once we interact with it, it materializes. But there's a lot of power from when you actually capture this essence, uh, connecting to God or to the source, whatever that is, because that's almost a free-for-all at that point. And then when it it materializes in our body and it starts to differentiate, then that's when our um, illnesses and all this disharmony starts to come in. Right. So so what we tend to do as an acupuncturist, I realized when I was treating health, I was treating disease that I had already manifested in the body. But my interest is, wow, can we change our relationship to life so that we interact with this energy and change our own thought process, our own consciousness, so that when it enters in our body, that we behave differently, act differently, so then that changes the course of health and, and wellness inside of us. It's almost like a dance in a way. And I love the way you said that earlier about balance being dynamic. It's exactly how I understand. And also healing. So everything is dynamic. There's always, you mentioned flow when it comes to spiritual energy, this free flow of energy uh, that's extremely powerful from my perspective too. Well, my experience with energy, if I can call it energy, it's, it started with healing and energy or healing energy. It started with um, intellectual understandings of what to be spiritual or spirituality is. And then I studied, of course, all kinds of philosophies, starting with Buddhism, Zen Buddhism, and then started to change, right? Then the body changed, but it's... um. It's what you do uh, seems to me that's very helpful because it's intentional. So the way I did it on my own was just kind of, um, let's say, meditating, reading or listening and then reflecting and then meditating. And then it took years (laughs) 
to get the effects of it because I still felt the um, the traumas would still rise and it still does the memories of the past and all that but it's um now it's much more let's say it doesn't affect me anymore it doesn't I don't really take them seriously anymore so would you say that um with the help of with program and what you do this is something more intentional and that's why it would probably have faster results than in my case Yeah, I think, you know, when you what you just said was that you spent a lot of years studying and learning and then meditating and um and the difference is that and as you know, I'm sure that all that study, you got that, you learned it, you brought it into your brain, but it wasn't until you experienced through your meditation. Yes. Correct? Yes, yes. Before it became alive. Right. Yes. And and that's a really important distinction. I worked with this gentleman who was um who had done many meditations, Qigong of the years. He uh was a Chinese teacher and he studied Buddhism and he studied so many Eastern philosophy. And when he came into my practice, I thought, okay, I don't know what I can provide you because you you're so learned. And then and then it hit me. I said, Oh, I know exactly what it is. All that information is stuck up in your mental realm. We need to get you to connect to this energy on a spiritual realm. And I think my the reason why my my um my work is so successful is because when we talk about energy, energy is not something that you can intellectualize. Chi is something that you can only feel and connect to. And we have to learn how to understand this energy and spirit by connecting directly to this energy and not make the brain the middleman. Can you describe a little bit a little bit more? We all think that thoughts, memories and all that, the, all these subtle energy patterns are happening at the level of the mind, mental level. But you you are speaking of a different level of, let's say, that, um, that exists, that we can connect to. Talk to me a bit more about that so the audience understands, because I want to understand myself how you sure. would describe that. <laughs> yeah, um, I know my thinking of the brain is a little bit different. I, I look at the brain as a processor. I was a computer consultant. It's a CPU. And so what that means is that it can only gather information based on what it knows. So a computer can't can't generate new ideas. It can only pull in information and then and then package it in a different way. And the brain is exactly the same way. We can't it's we can't create this new invention. And my and 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 I believe that all the people who've created like Steve Jobs, Marie Curie and you know all the people who have been out there that have created I it didn't come from the mind it came from a it came from a spiritual space the mind doesn't connect to the spiritual space we have to connect to it through for me the the seed of the spirit is the soul and that for me is the higher consciousness that is a different consciousness than the mental consciousness and it is in my work where the and the way that you connect to the spiritual consciousness is outside the brain because the brain the brain cuts off what it's unfamiliar with right you think about that think about anytime we're unfamiliar with something we're not comfortable we right we move away from that but when you go into the spiritual space and you realize wait a minute i'm connecting to this world in a very different way it's very comfortable you're really willing to explore and that to me is the biggest difference in my work and i think and i think a lot of people even in you know when they think about intuition they still think it's in their mind i think it's too confusing it's too confusing to say wait is this thought coming from my mind or is this thought coming from my right brain like it's you know what i mean so it's very easy in my work I say the brain is negative, 80% negative. It can only construct, but it can't create. I know that there is, um, you know, scientists, you are a scientist and you, you know that, 
that there is, uh, they all believe that there is a connection between the, the mind and the brain, that the brain is creating actually the content of the mind. Just because they see uh, with the scans, they see the the let up of neurons and all that. But the truth is, of course, that 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 would happen because consciousness or the spiritual world is, uh, let's say, is overarching all the other, uh, let's say, realities, body and mind. So of, of course, the, everything is connected. So there's nothing that it, that it's not connected. But um, you spoke of the soul and also intuition. So ah, there's so many. I have I had so many conversations here about uh, intuition, soul, and the heart being one and the same, pretty much. Do you see this? It's just we're just giving names and kind of labels for these things. But I like the way you go straight to the spiritual realm, and I like to call actually the spiritual mind too. So I'm not sure if you heard about the spiritual mind. It's thoughts that we have that the that the brain cannot that we never thought before. Something that's completely it's usually uh, let's say very positive. It's it has has this feeling of harmony in them. It's uh, it's very loving. So that's how I know. But I'm not sure because I have been trained my training my mind so much to be positive and kind. That also could be coming from the. Uh, the mind itself, let's say the mental content. So I would love to hear from you about, especially about the soul and the heart and intuition. Are they all one and the same? Um, no, I actually don't think they're one and the same. But I like when you talk about spiritual mind, I totally agree with that. I just call it the spiritual consciousness, right? I, that, I think it's just a different consciousness. And I like to separate that there's a mental consciousness and a spiritual consciousness. And I think for, you know, for... For clarity, it's easier, and I tell people all the time, it's easier to think, oh, this is coming from my mind. I know where it is. I can point to it in my head. And, oh, this is coming from my spiritual center. And where is my spiritual center, right? And where would you say your spiritual center is? I usually go to the heart. <laughs> right. Always. <laughs> right. You're, you go right into, yes, uh... right into the center. So my spiritual center is 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 in, it's right next to the heart. It's right in that solar plexus, right? It's right, it's right in, in that chest. And, and I think that the heart is the emotional center. It's, it's very separate. And here, here's the math, here's the scientist in me. Why would, why would God or the universe create two entities in the same organ. I've always found that fascinating. Like why, you know, we have very distinct organs. We have our heart, we have our lungs, we have our liver, right? And they all have its job. Why would the universe put two such important organs or centers, spirit and emotion together in the same organ? That, you know, that doesn't sit well with me. <laughs> yes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> so I think, well, because for me, when you, when, and when you hear people talk and you hear them say, listen to my inner voice, listen to this, they always point to the center of their chest. They don't go left to the heart. You notice that? They all go right here, right? They go right here. And so it was shown to me during my Qigong that, wow, this is where your soul is. And then it was behind this one point in Chinese medicine uh, called CB17, which is just, and it's just called the chest center. And I thought, oh my God, how could this most important soul lie behind the chest center? And I did a little digging and I went through um, a book that you know looked at all the etiologies of these points. And another name for that point is called the source. And then I said, oh, okay. My meditation and the vision I got didn't fail me because that is the source. We never think of the heart as the source. Right. So, so that's, so yes, I love when you said spiritual mind. It is a spiritual consciousness. And for me, it's the seed 
the the organ of the spiritual center is definitely the soul. So in a way, it is localized, which yes. is interesting to um, um, to notice. I never thought it that way. Consciousness of the spiritual mind um, being localized. But why not? It's. Um, I mean, I don't think consciousness, perhaps absolute consciousness, not localized, is everywhere at once at the same time everywhere. This because everything is made out of that substance, if we can call it substance. Oh yes, it's a substance. Of yeah, but um, yeah, I never thought about. But it, it makes sense. The brain, um, when we are thinking, overthinking, they are too much activity within the brain. Then all oh, the thinking, the mind, and then that we can see the correlation with the brain, the, the, it lit, lit ups and everything, it uh, light up and everything. But you're saying that there is a, a place for also the spiritual mind that um, we can feel. And you see, when, you, when I think about emotions, yeah, feelings, it can be felt. Not to say that the mind, of course, the mind, that's why trauma exists, <laughs> because we, we ended up feeling too much to the point that hurts. But emotions, the, I host a um, Video, a video interview platform that's called The Freedom to Feel. And I guess that was inspired by this idea that once we, um, we find the spiritual freedom, then it's easier, or, or let's say we become free to let feelings come and go. So we, are, we don't really attach to any of them, good or bad. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you also teach so within your programs or um, is that something that you talk about in your book? I actually didn't see that there, but maybe it is somewhere. Oh, yeah, I, absolutely. Right. Well, first of all, when you bring up emotional uh, emotions or anything, we never control because that's like that's like putting up a dam and. We know what happens when that when that dam breaks, right? <laughs> yes, yeah, nightmare. <laughs> so, yes. and and there's nothing about control in Chinese philosophy and medicine because it's all about free flow, and so it is something that I very much it, what I teach is no, we let the emotions. The emotions are telling us what's wrong. It's telling us how we're processing it, and then the 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 most important thing I teach is how. We allow those emotions to come up, but we don't let them get stuck, mm. like in a whirlpool. We can yeah. let them, we can feel it, yeah. and then when we've, when in a in a reasonable amount of time yeah. that we've allowed it to process, we can then release and clear. So when it comes to letting emotions to flow, <laughs> uh, it doesn't mean expressing them verbally or physically, uh, what would that look like to allowing emotions to flow? Well, well, to, 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 to release, you mean? When, no, to clear it? Yeah, I, not clearing. I think that takes, is that the first, the first step? Let's say if we have this, uh, it, it's a lot of times for me happens in these days in the moment. So I don't have, let's say, hopefully now repressed, suppressed emotions, but I think mm-hmm. we all do, right? It's mm-hmm. at, yeah. at different levels. Uh, but when emotions come from a thought especially mm-hmm. then I feel in the body and I, I kind of I acknowledge the presence of that emotion and I breathe I do my breathing exercises and then then I might go into meditation if it's necessary or be or I'm alone quiet but it's not really I try not to express them in the moment especially when they are let's say there's resentment something that's coming from the past and that has to do with traumas and I know it's, it's what, where it's coming from. So I just kind of, I don't express them. Is that kind of suppressing in a way? I, I hope yeah, I'm not I doing that. So. <laughs> I'm a big believer in releasing and expressing them. I get angry. I get, you know, I yell at my kids. I do all of that. Um, you know, it, but because it, it's healthy because anger is one of the five emotions in the body. And so we're given that for a reason. You can't say, oh, I never, I, I actually know somebody who never gets angry. And I said, and I think that hurts you. And I think, and I can see because they don't get angry, I can see a weakness in them. And I'm like, no, you have to, you have to, because this person also doesn't have enough confidence, you know? So, so, and that confidence is so weak and that, you know, affects this person from being angry. So we have five emotions 
in Chinese medicine. We have joy, we have grief, we have anxiety, worry, we have um, uh, fear, and we have anger. And we're given that for a reason, and we, ex- we, we feel all of them. I love to hear that. That would be a great, uh, this is, I mean, this is a great topic because it's one that's very close to all of us um, yes. within the human experience. And I wonder if, like in my case, because I can't speak from other people, maybe my husband, I would badmouth him, <laughs> talk about his emotions here. But when it comes to my emotions, uh, that might, it might be a bad habit. Oh, who knows what. I remember when I was very young, um, growing up in the house with uh, parents who were not attentive, not, let's say, loving, caring, and they were very angry and they were dismissive and, and angry. And I used to kind of uh, try to calm them down and kind of they would hurt me physically or emotionally. And then and then they would continue with their, um, let's say, the snowball of anger and anxiety, whatever they had. And then instead of trying to relieve my own pain, I would just try to relieve their pain and kind of make them feel better. So do you think that there was actually, it was automatically, because I was a child, I could not have done that uh, in a, let's say, learned way. So, but it seems like the brain does that uh, automatically. So I was either repressing or suppressing because I didn't feel anything in the moment my pain would go away and it would be transformed somehow into some kind of helpful, uh, caring kind of energy. And then I would go there and try to uh, make them feel better. So I'm wondering if that's still, because it feels like it's still here in a way. I'm still having this habit when my husband gets upset and it makes me upset for some reason and that I know it's unfair, something that just doesn't make sense. I go and try to uh, make him feel better. Right. And that, I think, A, that's two things. As a woman, we tend to do that, right? And as a child, of course, we would do that because we want to, and, and, and you're a healer and you're an empath. And, you know, so um, we want to be the peacemaker. We want to smooth things out. But yes, when we are doing that as um, an and repressing our own needs, then I think what will start to happen is that we become resentful. And I don't know if that happens to you, but yes, I would see that as becoming resentful at some point, if it builds up to a certain point. Let's see if I can describe the feeling, because it's, it's important to describe it, right? So when mm-hmm. it comes to emotions and feelings mm-hmm. and all that, <clears throat> what comes up for me a lot is, a, is the feeling the, of unfairness. Something mm-hmm. that's not in harmony. It's not mm-hmm. like there's no justice. It's just not just. It's just mm-hmm. not. Yeah, more in the realms of justice, fairness. That's how it is kind of it comes up, right? But then, you know, there's something to do with trying to change the world, <clears throat> the world too, because I do see that, you know, violence, abuse, and all that happening out there with this war and between Russia and Ukraine, when I heard about it first, I don't watch TV, but when I heard about that, then this feeling of unfairness, like, oh, this is so unfair. And then I I become sad immediately. But there's nothing I can do, really. It's not a helpless feeling. It's it's just a natural feeling to me, though. It's a frustrated feeling. Yes, it is frustrated. And in that frustration, Valeria, (laughs) um, that is the liver in Chinese medicine, and Mm. that's anger. That is very Ah. closely related to anger, right? right? It's just frustrating. You're not the type that will lash out, okay? But instead of lashing out, it's getting compressed and getting locked in there, and it's frustrated. And so when you learn in Chinese medicine that the liver... The liver is uh, responsible for free flow. It's just a dispersing flow. And when it's not doing that and it's constricted, it's, it, the liver's wood, right? Wood becomes dry and crackly and, and there's no movement. And that affects gynecology. That affects oh. uh, menopause. Oh. Um, so, yeah. So <laughs> I'm like, that, wait a minute, I have some yeah. cramps. We just talked about that. All exactly. <laughs> I don't want to say it out there. Yes, no, you can, of course. You know, yes, that's yeah. immediately what you, what you showed me. 
Well, ah. you told me all those things. I said, oh, oh, yes. I didn't put two and two together. <laughs> I said that now. And I went, oh, for ah. sure. It's liver. Liver is not flowing freely. There's frustration. Yeah, because my, it has been quite violent, I would say. The mm-hmm. cramps. Yes. And, and I'm, and I, you, you see the brain automatically kind of uh, try to justify that, kind of come up with a story. Ah, uh, it's natural. That's what happens to the body when you get older or when you have your period every month. Mm-hmm. We are supposed to. This is, but I'm wondering if this is actually, am I making this up or all, all of us women, the, the angry ones, the suppressed, the ones that suppress anger and the ones who don't, do we actually all have this, uh, feel some sort of, um, have some responses in, a, in that area when we are having our period before or during and after? Or Oh, absolutely. We all experience certain, you know, either PMS or something, but depending on what that is, not, I mean, there's certainly some level of liver stagnation always, but it's, it's the extreme we're looking at. We're not looking for normal, you know what I mean? Um, but no, not everybody experiences that. Some people experience, you know, really heavy blood stagnation. And um, so it's people who get really irritable and, you know, like the extreme, we're talking extreme irritable, it comes out who's a bit angry and lots of pain in the, you know, uh, lots of pain, the PMS or even in the breast, right? So that's when it's that extreme, you know, the very first thing we, we do look at is liver stagnation. There's other things. I don't want to say every, every PMS is liver stagnation because that's not true. Yes. I was already a fan of um, Chinese medicine. Now I'm really a fan. Yeah. <laughs> you just explain it. I mean, you're very intuitive. You're putting everything together, too. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, really makes sense. Because when I'm having the period before, now it's like 10 days before or even more, then it becomes so intense and the feelings, the thoughts of everything before, the days before, the things that I didn't say that I kind of held back and they come up, they come out and I have to say it. (laughs) And that's usually with my husband. Look, you did this, that was not nice, blah, blah, blah. And then I just tell him in a nice way. I try to be, uh, let's say, kind and truthful at the same time. But sometimes it's just, I can't help it. And it really comes out the wrong way in a sense of... um, really say in a way that he doesn't understand, per se. He doesn't get it. And then we, it's an argument. Right. Well, that's what I, well, my first thing that I was going to tell you, I think that you have this feeling that it's wrong to get angry. It's wrong to let this out. And this probably has to do with your childhood, no doubt, right? And you say, well, you saw the way they behave. Maybe said, well, that's wrong. <laughs> yes, right. I don't want to be like them for sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be like them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but it's not wrong to express. The, it, it's better to express at each stage as opposed to letting it build up and then explode like a volcano, right? Um, and, and then when, as we know, as you su- ex- um, suppress, which is what I was saying earlier, how conscious energy or subconscious energy translates to physical energy. So as an acupuncturist for all these years, that's how we would see it. That We can actually feel this tension in the body. So that's how we know this energy translated to something physical. How amazing. You know? Yes. Uh, I mean, what's not to love about... Ah, uh, Chinese medicine and everything else. <laughs> you sound just like my husband now. He always goes, what's not to love about this? <laughs> yes. I mean, it's it's just like, um, it's almost like, uh, um, it's a map, isn't it? It's it a, is. It gives yes. us all the directions. That was beautifully said. It is a map. And that's what I tell people. It's a, it's a roadmap inside our body. Yeah, incredible. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So I'm convinced. Okay. Oh, good. <laughs> definitely convinced. And, and and that's usually how I think. Like, if you can convince me, that's it. <laughs> then the audience, like, of course. <laughs> yes, because I'm the first, I mean, I'm your first live audience. So going back to your book, I have this open question. Um, I would talk to you about this, you know, these topics forever, for sure, and stay here. But let me go back to... Uh, um, the fundamentals, yeah. So your book is titled "Stronger Than Your Stress." What was the main intention of publishing this book? So, well, I had a, I was just so successful with this program, and um, I just decided that 
this work just needs to go out there on a much bigger level. I wanted a bigger audience because, as you know, mental health, we're at a critical point here, I think, in mental health. And we're just approaching it, you're going to hear me say it, all wrong. We are, you know, you are not because you are so spiritually connected. But the percentage of people out there that are spiritually connected is so little. And the more brain and scientific we get, the less we move away from the connection to our universe. And there's so much wisdom and truth in this universe. We're just here to learn. That's all we're here to do. And, and that's when I just, that's why I decided I need to write this book. I need to see if I can just share this information with as many people as possible. Yes. Thank you for doing that. Um, oh, this, you're welcome. Yeah, this is beautiful work. Uh, to me, sacred, really. Yeah. Beautiful and sacred. Thank you for what you do, Valeria. Really, really, it's, yeah, it's wonderful what you do. We need more people to continue to do this. Yes, it's sharing, right? Because we mm-hmm. cannot keep this information. That's what I, the idea came. Actually, the first inspiration to have the podcast was not, being able to have these conversations with anyone around my family and, f- and friends and neighbors. So I, there was, uh, I was feeling lonely within that realm of trying to evolve and understanding, going deeper into spirituality and wisdom. So that's why, um, yeah, this became what became, which was not really never the intention to become what it is now, but it's that's how it is, right? Flow, I guess. You just follow, uh, answer the call and just flow with it. Yep. Mm-hmm. And you did it well. <laughs> oh, I love this. I, I do call my sacred space. <laughs> yeah. There's a chapter in your book that's uh, chapter four, uh, true happiness. So I guess I'll ask you this open question. What is true happiness to you? So, True happiness. I will tell you how to get to true happiness because true happiness is different for everybody, right? What, what makes them happy. But for me, happiness, when you're not happy, it means that you are blocked. You, what you think you want and what you're receiving, your reality, there is a disconnect, right? There's a conflict inside your body. So true happiness is like I say, you can't tell somebody how to be happy because everybody's happiness is different, right? So how, but I can certainly tell you the steps to get to whatever that happiness is. And that is, again, when we live in flow, when we live in alignment with in the universe, that means our energy is flowing. And when our energy is flowing, we're receiving, we're living in harmony with ourselves, we're, we're connected to the spirit. And then in that space, we can become and live who we want to be, which I do believe that is ultimately what we want to do. We want to, right? We all just want to be ourselves and ourselves yeah. is enough. Mm, wow, that's a powerful message. Empowering too. Yeah, spiritually empowering as well, especially when it comes to <clears throat> what you said earlier that really uh, kind of paused me and still I'm still kind of here in reflection <laughs> about feelings, right? Not um, not expressing them, trying to hide them, suppress them with this misconception that it's not spiritual, that's not kind, it's not loving. We are actually... We're actually harming ourselves and others. Yes, we are. Um, we are. We, we yeah. are. We're harming ourselves and not letting ourselves, you know, really flourish and come out. Because when you're doing that, you're suppressing and you're covering up, you know, a lot of stuff inside of you. Right. Yeah. That that has to be released, right? At some point, as you said. So, and it's sometimes not in a in a positive way, in a kind way. Right. There's something else. Um, I think you also provide, you offer uh, energy healing audios. Is that on your website, to YouTube? Where do we yeah. find them? So I am in the process of doing them now. I have several. Um, uh, I do I do a energy healing, group healing in my uh, in my online group every week. 
And they, it was so powerful. And the fact that I realized I can actually record these energies and that you can listen to them over and over again, and they were maybe not 100% effective, but let's say 75%, it was really impressive to me. So now what I'm planning on doing is I'm creating a whole library of energy vibrational healings that will address various things in the body where you're blocked. And um, my hope is that if we do that, then we can kind of shift our dependency on medication. And, you know, maybe if we can do take less medication, heal our body naturally, um, it's really and it's my contribution to um, to health because our health, as we know, healthcare is really also at a is is a huge problem right now. Um, and uh, it really pairs well with my teaching. Yeah. Do you see, what is your vision for that? Um, like uh, Chinese Western medicine and Eastern Western medicine, are they actually, would they get along one of these days and, uh, and be integrated? I think that depends on the Western medicine, you know, because I, I use both. I use both East and West. And, you know, I'm very accepting of that. Um, and that there are definitely Western medicine can just do certain things better than 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 Chinese medicine. So I think it's up to Western medicine to open and accept this level of parity. Um, but it's really hard when we're really run by pharmaceuticals and money, mm. you know. Yes, there's a system, right? It's yeah, not easy, yeah. right, to... Um, no. Yeah, because there's really no money in Chinese herbs and Chinese medicine. There's nothing to patent. There's no, you know what I mean? Like, you can't patent an herb. So there's no big money in that. So I think I'm sad to say that I think because of that, I don't know if we'll ever get to that level. I hope I'm wrong. (laughs) Yes, me too. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to mention some of your services. I think I saw this on your website. You offer stress program, Heal From Within. That's the main program that we talked a lot today. Energy healing, acupuncture, um, Qigong massage. I think that's what it is. Yeah, Qigong meditation as well. Uh, herbal prescription and nutritional counseling. Wow, um, I love them all. I was thinking about the herbal prescription. I do take some of them uh, self-prescriptions, but <clears throat> that's a good idea actually to go back to it. So I want to mention before, I have a few more questions for you, the ending questions, but before that, I'd like to mention in your book, the sections that caught my attention, Living in Spirit caught my attention immediately. There's a section in your book, Liberation, the things you talk about, liberation. The way everything, actually, the notes that I made here, you mentioned throughout the interview. It's interesting. You you talk about, you said something, that chapter nine, I made a note here, uh, fulfill your destiny. You say, do spiritual strengthening daily to absorb the wisdom from the vast universe. And you did talk about that. And then you also said something powerful here. We, you already said that before, but I, I'd like to <clears throat> I'll read it again, the note that I made. You said in your book, you say, the more your brain is involved, the less you can gain spiritual perspective. The higher your spiritual perspective, the less the brain will control your life. That really caught my attention immediately. So true. Thank you so much again, Sue, for your presence in our reality. Thank you so much, Valeria. You're a beautiful, beautiful person. Oh, my God. I feel the same way about you, energetically, I mean, every way. (laughs) Yeah. So before we say goodbye for today, would you like to add anything that you left unsaid or read a passage in your book? And I do have a technical question for you, too, after this. Um, Yeah. You know, I would like to read a passage from my book. Um, And it's actually the basis of my teaching. Um, and it's on page 29 and I say, you have an inner voice that guides you to act in your best interest to keep you safe and healthy. Many people believe that this inner voice lives inside the brain, but how can this be true if the brain that drives you mad is in the same place your protective and comforting inner voice resides? This would be a flawed design or a contradiction in logic, causing you a lot of confusion in life. This is why I suggest our inner voice does not live inside our brains and why we need to check our brain so that we can hear our intuitive and instinctive signals with less interference. 
Yes, how wonderful to hear that from a scientist. Yeah, that's <laughs> <It's> even better. <laughs> yeah, thank you for saying that. With all these, uh, you probably heard about the, um, the heart problem of consciousness. Yes. All the discussions and that. So I want to thank you again. But before that, I do want to uh, ask you um, a question, a, a final question and then a technical one. What three experiences you wish everyone to have before they lose the body, before they die? This is a question I ask everyone pretty much. Oh, my guess. The three experiences, one, I want them to hopefully always learn how to be comfortable in their true self, showing their true self, right? That's one for sure. Two, I hope they experience love, unconditional love. And three, uh, to be able to uh, experience what chi feels like. Being able to touch this energy is magical. Thank you again. So it's uh, very close to my heart, I have to say it that way, and, and put my hand in the center. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, what do you do? It has to do with healing, with the deeper understandings of how this works, which we call life, and everything else in between. Uh, yes. It's just truly beautiful. Thank you again. You're welcome. And before we say goodbye, where is the best place to find more information about you? Um, on my website, supinghealing.com. Yes, I'll have the link on your podcast profile and also the link for the book, the Amazon link to the book. Wonderful. Thank you again and we'll talk soon. Bye for okay. now. So. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Su Ping Negrin and her work, please visit supinghealing.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now. <laughs>